Hi, I'm Dr. Jamil Sayaj. And on this podcast, we're going to talk about some deep stuff. I'm here to tell you that you're amazing. And often, the only person who can't see that is you. No matter who you are, what you do, or where you're from, there's greatness in you. Let's talk about it. Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Jamil Sayaj, and welcome to the Transformation Starts Today podcast, where I interview leaders, champions, and high performers from all walks of life as they share their story, the lessons they learned along the way, and empowering perspectives to help you create an extraordinary life without regret starting today. Today we have with us my friend and brother, Grant Iflander. I want to make sure I've pronounced your last name right. Is that correct? That's correct. Beautiful. Grant Iflander is a teacher of teachers and transformational leader based in the mountains of Costa Rica. His passion is weaving in together the ancient wisdom sciences of yoga with transformational psychology, modern neuroscience, and ritual technology to empower people to realize and reach their full potential. Grant is a published author and founder of Keepers of the Earth, an internationally accredited school of yoga and mystical arts, which initiates spiritual leadership through training programs, immersions, and ritual experiences. Grant, it is such an honor to have you with us on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Wow, what a cool introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Grateful to be here. Yeah, man. How are you doing today? You're glowing for everyone who's seen you on video. I'm feeling just ecstatic. Yeah, and and, uh, feeling good. Wonderful. Mm. You know, just to give the audience some background, you know, I want to say that you and I met in 2015. Might have been 2014, but I think it was 2015. And getting to really get to know you those first couple of years when I moved to Arizona, that's where we met. And before you went on your beautiful journey, which I can't wait to, you know, for you to share that with everybody, but it's been, feels like seven years in the making to have this conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, really cool. We had a, just like a brief moment before we hit record to, to talk about the, the garlic uh, portobello mushrooms that we had for dinner. <laughs> yeah, the garlic <laughs> Uh, this guy knows how to cook he's amazing so Grant for my listeners who don't know you yet they haven't heard your story I found that each of us is the hero of our own story you know we've gone through challenges we talked about earlier you know you you set out to go on this path and there's obstacles there's opportunities there's things we grow through and overcome can you share with us your journey from you know start to finish that you'd like to share your path and any lessons that you've learned along the way so that we can better get to know you and learn from your, your experiences. Yeah. The hero's journey. Um, I love what you said about how we're all the, our own hero or the hero of our own story. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to make this short (laughs) as short as possible, but, uh, extract the, the nuggets from, you know, what has led me to this moment. And because there's been a lot of really challenging moments, you know, there's been a lot of um, forks in the road, you could say, there's been a lot of tough decisions to make um, that have led me here. And along the way of like doing that, you know, and having my own hero's journey unfold and, and really paying attention, you know, to this process and um, also studying with uh, with elders of different communities, sacred wisdom of different traditions, um, I've come to understand that there's like a 
there's a general theme in everybody's life and it is this one. And it's like, you know, Joseph Campbell called it the hero's journey to, you know, we're using that word. Um, and for me that, that when I started to become aware that there was something more for me in life and that I wasn't living up to my fullest potential, that's when I started to notice this theme playing out in my own life. And when I started to notice that, that was when I was working as a mortgage banker and um, I just wasn't, I realized I wasn't satisfied and that there was something else for me. And, and so that was, that was just before I met you, actually, I had just quit um, a career position and decided to create my own life, create my own path, create my own destiny, you could say. Um, and that was like the, like, the first real leap of faith that I took was, was leaving that career behind and, and actually coming to Costa Rica and doing a yoga teacher training course that I, that was my first yoga training program um, in August, 2015. And it was a three week immersion, just like the one that that's coming up that I'll be offering here. Um, and that really changed the course of my life because what it did was it gave me a set of tools and methods that were reliable, um, reliable, reliable in the sense that they, they could create chemical neurophysiological changes in my body. They could produce a result that was meaningful. Like it wasn't something like woo woo or esoteric. Like it was like practical and I could feel it working. And so I got those tools and then I just went to, I just went to town and I was like, all right, I don't know what else I'm going to do, but like this seems to be working for me. So I'm just going to spend all of my free time studying, practicing, applying um, these ancient technologies. And so that was really like when I quit my job and I came to Costa Rica in 2015 and got certified to teach yoga, that was really the beginning of my path as a yogi, I would say. Like I consider myself a, a yogi, a yogi practitioner. Um, I'm a teacher, but I'm a student first. And so that was and always a student. And I just happened to share what has been effective and helpful for me. And so that was 2015. And since then, it's just been a, a wild ride of, of lots of practicing, lots of studying, um, traveling. I've been to some really cool places. I've, I've experimented with a lot of different things. I've, I've um, sat in circles in different ways with different types of um, healing technologies, sacred plant medicines, all of these things have kind of woven their way into my path to become who I am today. And it's been, uh, like I said, at the beginning, it's been challenging, but it's been filled with so much joy and magic and beauty and amazing, amazing people. And I, I'm just like, so grateful to be walking, you know, this path and, and being on this earth. And, and it just feels, yeah. Yeah, so that's my that's my story in a nutshell. <laughs> Love it. And for anyone who already follows you on social media and anyone who's listening who hopefully will, they'll see you are exactly where you're supposed to be. <laughs> so something that comes to mind when you share your story. So when you were a banker and then you decided to quit, can you take us through in a way it's like the mindset of the before and the after where that there are some people listening right now They've got something on their heart, on their spirit. It feels like that tug, that calling, that I really think I want to do that. But maybe they're in fear. Maybe they're doing something they're not enjoying right now. They feel like they're kind of at a dead end, however they're going to phrase it. 
but they're maybe afraid to take mm -hmm. that jump, take that leap. And maybe you had thoughts like that. Maybe you didn't, but can you take us through your experience of that and what was on the other side? Yeah, totally. Uh, uh, so good. I'm, I'm grateful to reflect, you know, cause looking at my own journey helps to like put a framework together for, as you said, other people who are going through similar process. Mm -hmm. Um, and as I said before, I believe that there's, there are universal themes to this and that we can like, we can be inspired by other people's journeys and understand the framework and then apply it to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I've been really studying this actually lately because I know that I'm going to be facilitating this process for others who are coming to join me, um, to do the, the training that I've referred to. And we'll probably talk about it later, but, mm -hmm. uh, so I've been studying the transformational process. And for me, what happened was I, because your question was about like the decision-making process, but behind deciding to quit and not knowing what was next. Right. Am I, am I hearing you correctly? So, so that required me to have enough courage to admit to myself that there was something that was wrong with what my current situation was. And I didn't know what, I didn't know what it was, but I had to be able to like, I feel like something's off, you know, whatever it was about the thing. And I certainly felt, I was like, I am working this job. I'm making a ton of money, but like, I'm not really happy. Not the way that I feel like I could be happy. And so that was sort of like a diagnostic, you know, it was like, a, I was like taking like a check on myself. And, and then the next step was I had to get enough energy to take the action of, of making it different. And, and so like, once I realized I'm like, all right, something's off here. Like, I'm, I'm not happy here. I, you know, I could make excuses and, and that was what I was doing for about a year. And it was actually making me sick, Jamil. I was, I was working in the job that I didn't want to be working as in, it wasn't meaningful enough to like fill my soul. And I was, I was getting the sense that something was off, but I wasn't like making a clear, a clear decision to myself that was honest. So I was, I was lying to myself and I was deceiving myself and as a result, I was hiding from myself and that was making me sick. And so I was finding ways to distract and, and bring me further away from who I, my essence, so that I wouldn't have to face the truth. It was like, Grant, you're not supposed to be working here. And finally, I was like, after a year of going through this process, it was just like, one day I just decided, like, fuck it. Like that was, that, <laughs> my language, but that was, that was what had to happen. I just said, Grant, like you've got to do something different. If this isn't it, then you've got to do something different. And maybe I, you know, in this instance, I took the extreme measure of, of leaving the job. Like maybe there were other measures I could have taken in within the, having the job. You know, I, I fully own that. Um, but in this case, the, I had to create the external environment, a big enough shift in my external environment to produce the transformation that I was looking for or longing for myself. So I enacted my own initiation. You know, I separated myself from the tribe. This is something that's done in, in many indigenous cultures. They separate you from the tribe so that you can find your feet. You can find your own way. And like in doing this, doing that, 
you're able to reintegrate in the tribe with inspiration, with innovation, with creativity, because you went through that separation process, found your feet, created a new way for yourself, and then you loop back. And that was, um, I never went back to the job, but uh, I did leave home. You know, I went through the separation process. I left the community. Um, and then I, and I went into my own sort of underworld, you know, where I had to discover who I was and, and what was important to me. And, uh, so yeah, that was, that was the, the decision was the, yeah. <laughs> what a fantastic answer, man. I remember seeing you on social media. I think it was Costa Rica and then you were like in the UK and then a bunch of places and you're on your journey. And there I was just sitting in a classroom in Arizona going, so jealous. <laughs> 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 things that you said that I took a note on that I wanted to bring up. You said the, I mean, I, this is so crucial for everyone listening. The first thing Grant did was he had the courage to really say to himself, something's not right. There's a problem here. And something that I find that we often do is we think that because we're afraid, we shouldn't look at it or we shouldn't do anything about it, or we can't do it because we're afraid. But the very word courage means that you you're afraid, but you do it anyway. Mm. like fear is required in order for you to have courage. <laughs> mm. And when you realize that fear is not a problem and that you can have the fear and do it anyway, mm. you're bigger than whatever it is you're afraid of. You're bigger than all that at, at your core, at your essence. And we can get into that in a little while, but that is just a, the courage is such a crucial first step. And then the second thing I put here, <clears throat> you mentioned I know that this isn't what I'm meant to be doing. I know that my time here is done. Maybe I don't know what the next step is. And it kind of reminded me of that quote. I think it was a quote from like Alice in Wonderland, but I could be wrong. But the idea is something to the extent of, you know, yeah, yeah. Alice says to the Cheshire cat, can you let me know like which way to go? And he's like, all right, well, that depends on where you want to end up. And she goes, I don't really know. And he goes, well, then any road will take you there. This kind of perspective that, I don't know where I want to end up, but I definitely for sure know I don't want to be here. Then any way you go is an improvement. <laughs> and and like and then when you take the first step, the next step will reveal itself. But yeah. I'm reminded of a quote that I brought up on this podcast more times than I can remember. <laughs> the Martin Luther King Jr. He says, take the first step in faith. You don't have to see the whole staircase. Just take the first step. Mm. When you take the first step, the next step reveals itself. But if mm. your perspective is, no, 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 I'm going to firmly plant my, my footing here and I'm not moving an inch until I see the whole staircase. Mm. Life doesn't work like that. And if you think that it's going to, you're never going to move. And if you're in Grant's situation in the world where he was and you don't like where you're at, that's really crappy because now you're you're like being, you're being, uh, what's the word? You're being stubborn. <laughs> you're just planting yourself in there and telling life, like, you know, you got to go first. And life's gone. I don't know. I got <laughs> so much magic prepared for you, but you got to step into it. <laughs> you got to go first. And so the last part is uh, you mentioned this. And this part of the work I do that you and I were talking about before we hit record is energy healing, Hawaiian shamanism. And it's all integrated into the business coaching and all that. And in their philosophy, they brought something up that you alluded to your they call it your now but it's kind of like your higher self your soul speaking to you through that gut feeling through that intuition mm -hmm. and first it whispers in mm -hmm. your case hey man something's not right mm -hmm. and then we ignore it and we distract mm -hmm. and then it starts speaking louder and then we keep ignoring it and then it starts yelling and then we ignore it 
and then we get sick. And and then I remember when I heard them share that, I'm like, yep, I've seen that. I've experienced that. Like, I know, I know they're right on that. And then mm. hopefully you recover. But then mm. if you keep ignoring it, your life gets bad. Like a lot of problems start showing up. But when you finally, like, it's funny, we talked about the hero's journey to start this call. I believe the first step of the hero's journey, once, you know, after you leave where you're at, is the call to adventure, the call to action. That's exactly mm. what this is. That gut mm. feeling, that spirit speaking to you saying, hey, something's not right. It's time to you to move, time for a new step. And then when you take it, life changes so quickly. Dude, yes. There's two things that came to mind when you were speaking. And the first one is is the quote. A friend of mine told me this recently. I went through a training with him. Um, what you ignore is not ignoring you. Mm. And then the second thing, I, I love to say this is, I don't know, I think this might be something that I came up with originally. I don't know if it's, if I picked it up somewhere, but it's, if you take one step in the right direction, that is the reward. You don't need to, the destination isn't after a series of millions of steps or thousand or whatever, one step in the direction of what you perceive as the destination, even if you don't know what the destination is, one step in the right direction is its own reward. And that's like the, that's like the uh, application of courage. I love that we, we said this word courage and you mentioned core essence. The word courage comes from the Latin root core, which means heart. And it's, so it's like, as you said, being able to act despite fear being able to still take action and receive the feedback from life and to be able to, because I don't think anybody really knows what's going on here. You know, like I think life is a crazy <laughs> magic mystery that we're all just doing our best to figure it out. And what ends up happening is that if we start to just take action, we get results. The results aren't good or bad. Results are results. You have feedback, you have data, you are a programmable machine that is made up of biological and chemical things and molecules, right? But all of that's programmable. And if you are able to receive life as data, you are receiving so much wisdom from your environment constantly mm -hmm. and able to take, you know, because then you're not afraid to take action. You're like, yeah, what's the worst that could happen? I could... I can get a result. That's great. Like, go for it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, it reminds me of there's a quote that um, it was I forgot who said it. It was it might have been Nietzsche, but the idea was, this is my way. You know, what is your way? As for the way, there is no the way. And when we come from that space of like you said, we're all figuring it out. You know, some there's people that we look up to that we might consider our teachers, some people might use the word guru or whatever that would be for them. And you might resonate with some aspect of what they're putting out. That's why you want to spend time with them. That's why you want to learn from them. But they also have their challenges and struggles. And they're also learning along the way. And they also are in this human experience like the rest of us. And when we realize, you know, you're going to figure it out for yourself. I love something that you said that I say it in a slightly different way. It was your grant original, the quote. <laughs> and yeah. my, my version of that, you know, people will, I, I say in pretty much every message I send out, I end it with create a meaningful day, all my love, Jamil. And I've had someone say to me, how do I do that? Like, how do I create a meaningful day? And I'll say, you create a meaningful day by creating a meaningful moment. And a meaningful mm -hmm. moment is created by you taking a step 
in the direction of the life that you want to experience and live. And if you do enough of those moments, that's the kind of day where when you go to sleep at night, it's that, wow, what a day feeling. And then you have enough of those days and you create a meaningful life. And like, it's the, that's it. Like, that's what it's all about. And nobody can tell you what is meaningful because what's yeah. meaningful is going to be based on you. <laughs> what do you want it to be? Wow. What a simple formula for success. <laughs> yeah. One thing I'd love to circle back on is, you know, with the yoga background that you have, some people have an idea of what they think it is. And some people maybe have a completely different perspective on it. And so given your experience, your study, your training, if somebody asked you, Grant, what is yoga? What does it represent? What does it mean to you? How would you answer that? Yes. Yeah, so um, I get that a lot. And having been a full-time yoga teacher for since 2015, since I got back, I started teaching. And um, so it's been my my only occupation, you could say. Um, you know, I share that just to give context because there's been like thousands of these conversations that I've had. Yeah. And people, so I answer that question differently to each, to the audience, like to each person, I'll answer it depending on what I feel where they are and the reason for that is is so i'm going to try to answer this question like comprehensively because the way that our mind is set up is it's looking for evidence to prove itself right mm. that's the way our brain is is wired we are all wired this way it's a survival mechanism so when people ask what is yoga depending on where they're coming from energetically Sometimes they're just trying to confirm what they already know about it. Mm. Sometimes they're just trying to, they're asking for my opinion, but they're, but, but really they're not actually listening. They're not able to be receptive to what is the possibility. And so in this moment, as I'm like thinking about the question, I would say yoga is a possibility that is beyond what we can conceive. And because the, the, the technology, the way that it was designed and the way that it was passed down to us was for the ultimate liberation of, of the human soul. It's, it's designed to create an experience that is the supreme experience of human existence, you could say. If you could even imagine what that is, like the supreme experience of human existence, like we're talking about the highest possible goal that is achievable, right? That That's inconceivable. Like in this moment, it's just to even think about it. We're like, I don't even know what this guy's talking about. Well, that's what the tradition of yoga was built for. It was built to explain this. First of all, we need to understand conceptually that there is a higher goal more so than what the mundane world appears as. Like we need to have a con concept like, okay, I keep, I'm making more money. I'm having great relationships. I'm doing all this stuff, but none of this is actually fulfilling some, some like deep place inside myself. So then there is some spiritual aspect or a spiritual dimension to life that needs to be fulfilled in order for me to be happy. Well, the yogis would say that there is a, there is a supreme goal and that if we attain that goal, then none of this other stuff actually matters. So that's, that's like a really massive kind of, uh, concept to digest in this moment for anybody who's listening. It's like, okay, we're talking about the highest goal, 
da, 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 da. Well, what does that mean practically for you or I, Jamil? What that means practically for you or I, or anybody who's listening, wherever we are, is the understanding that our capacity as a human being is often limited to what we believe about ourselves. However, there is a reality that is beyond our current reality that we can aspire towards. And the act of aspiring towards that higher reality, a more expansive sense of self, a more liberated sense of self, a more confident, empowered, authentic, honest, joyous being, the, the, the process of moving in that direction is yoga. And if we can continue to take actions that help us align with a more expansive, more liberated, more free sense of self, we become a yogi. Mm. And that is what the technology of yoga is designed to do because it, it deals with mind, body, and breath in particular ways and patterns that rearrange the neuropsychology and the neurophysiology of our organism so that it makes it easier to take actions that are aligned with that higher self. I can't remember what the Hawaiian word was, but it makes, because we're, we're so wired to believe in I'm limited, I can't do it. Like all of these things are conditions in us that prevent us from moving towards that life that that keep us stuck in the job, that keep us stuck in the relationship, that keep us looping. Those are conditions that are imprinted on the nervous system. And the, the, yoga, the yoga tools, the tools of yoga, mind, body, breath, like we often look at stretching as a yoga, like a yoga pose as that's what we think of when we think of yoga a lot of times. But given all of what I just said, there's a lot more available to us that can help us become a yogi and it doesn't involve having a mat being in a hot sweaty room doing hard poses so so that is a long answer to your question and i hope that fulfills the the inquiry yeah it definitely does it brings up a few things i'd love to share um one of my teachers that i've enjoyed like reading his stuff and watching him for years a lot of people have probably have heard of him. His name is, he goes by Sadhguru. It's not his actual name, but he goes by Sadhguru. And uh, he talks about how, you know, yoga, like you, like you said, people in the West think about yoga. They think about people putting their bodies into like pretzel shapes. And he goes, yoga is a science and there's all this stuff and the physical is only one component of it. <laughs> and there's all these things that he talks about. But something that I got from what you shared, you know, for, you know, my understanding is that yoga, you know, means union and a definition that I really liked that I heard from, I believe it was from Sadhguru. And he said, a yogi is one who they've essentially made it in their mind, at least their identification that their being does not stop where their skin ends. It mm. extends out to the entire universe. So they see themselves in union with everything, which is the oneness perspective. And at the same time, it's the, it's the dichotomy between the guiding star and the distant shore. If you're in the water on a boat and you see the star in the distance and you go, that's where we're headed, you're never going to get there because in this physical world, that's off the planet. So you're never going to reach that in a boat. Mm -hmm. But it, it it reminds me of Matthew McConaughey. He's got he's got this, um, I think it was an award that he won and he gave a speech and someone goes, who's your hero? And he goes, my hero is 
me 10 years from now, like my future self. And I'm always chasing after him. And, and I never, I never become my hero because 10 years from now, he's still 10 years further. And wow. then, you know, and then, so it's like, you're always there. So in that same kind of way, mm. I, I brought this up earlier, at least my own perspective on this in this physical life, as long as you're alive and you're having experiences, you can be as enlightened as they come, but you'll have your moments and you'll have some baggage, emotional baggage that you pick up along the way. And maybe you're really quick at releasing it. That's awesome. But you still pick it up and it's still there along the way. So there's that, what you might call the ultimate version of me. And I like thinking about that from that Matthew McConaughey perspective, that that's my guiding light. And in the physical existence, I'm probably never going to get to that point where it's done Mm -hmm. In the physical, it's an, it's an ongoing process. <laughs> it never ends. <laughs> and so when we come from that space, it's like it's a mountain with no top. And now at that point, I have someone to look up to, which is that future best version of me. And I can always ask myself questions. How would that version of me handle this situation? How would he or she treat this person? What action would they take? Despite being afraid, what would they do there? Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, you're, you're asking yourself some really good questions that are going to help you craft the life that you want to live and it's just something that came up that I wanted to share. Yeah. I mean, to add on to that, I think it's important to realize that there are, there's a lot of legitimate science to show us that um, the, the brain functions optimally when there's something that is a, uh, something that we can aspire towards, like having an, an aspiring or inspiring image that causes us to, expand our thinking that our brain functions optimally. So I love your Matthew McConaughey. Uh, I love that you brought that in. I'm going to use that. I love that. The hero of your story is you 10 years from now. Cause yeah, it, the worst thing that could happen is we descend into the chaos of thinking that there's nothing, nothing, um, you know, there's nothing to be inspired by, or, you know, it's like, wow, that can quickly go bad for, for us. And yeah, so I think that 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 forms the basis of religion, actually, you know, I, I don't consider myself a religious person. Um, but that is the basic premise of religion and what has made religion a, I believe, a, a it can be a successful tool to to serve this end something to aspire towards. So two things. One, if you maybe make a little note, but if you go on YouTube, you can type in that Matthew McConaughey, like acceptance speech, and you can get the whole clip. <laughs> and then the second, and then the second thing, it reminds me of there's this Jordan Peterson lecture I was listening to. And he talks about, for anyone who doesn't know who that is, he's a clinical psychologist. He's pretty well known. He has books, videos, really intellectual guy. And he's talking about relationships, but he's speaking to a group. I think most of the people in the crowd were men. And he's saying to them, basically, if you have a partner, in this case, he's saying a woman, if you have a wife, she should be in his or his perspective, she should be more on the side of who you could be than mm. you're being right now. Mm. Same kind of way. It's mm -hmm. like, like you said, we have in our mind, this mental image of this ideal version of us, the mm -hmm. most loving, the most successful, the most spiritual, the most, whatever it is for somebody's own definition. And if that's your guiding light, if you um, like compare and contrast everything that you're doing now with who you could be, who you're capable of being, but for whatever the reason, you're just not choosing it. Mm -hmm. Every moment is a new opportunity to say, do I want to choose that now? Mm -hmm. Do I want to choose that now? And it's like this spiraling up and just getting, you know, a, a more and more authentic version of you. Exactly. Spiraling up. That's what we do. Yeah, man.
could you share with us, you know, in the last seven years, being a yoga teacher, how has yoga altered your experience of life personally? Because, you know, you help so many other people and it'd be awesome to hear your experience of yourself. Yeah, well, it certainly continues to reveal to me um, that it's far, 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 far more than I think it is and thought it was. Um, I've, yeah, I, it's transformed my life completely. Um, and I'm continually learning that there's more to it, which is like, it brings me so much joy, you know, to really, um, be on a path that I feel like I can keep digging and I can keep finding more treasures, um, that feel worth more than any, any acquisition, any, any material, any accolade, you know, I'm not, I'm over here practicing on my own. I, I have a daily practice that I do and, and, uh, um, you know, you don't, you're not getting like a, award for it you're not no one's patting you on the back you're not uh you don't get a certificate yeah you don't get a certificate to put on the on the wall um but you do what i what what i get you know from this is i get a sense of of um just so much um truth like for lack of better words just a sense of truth a sense of solidarity um and having this, these tools, um, I feel like it's an honor mm. and a privilege to be carrying them. You know, I feel like, uh, I feel blessed. Like I was going to say lucky. I feel blessed and fortunate to have stumbled across, um, something that I feel is, is so is immeasurably valuable. Like there's just so much value in it. So yeah, that'd, that'd be my answer. Yeah. You know, there's a quote that I saw on one of your social media pages recently, which I'd love to share because it reminds me of what you just said. And he said, uh, the paradox of popular yoga culture is that many become certified yoga teachers first and then realize that they need to become a student of yoga. And, <laughs> I, th and I think that applies not only to yoga, but that applies for me as a coach. It applies to everything. Uh, <laughs> so it applies everywhere in our life. <laughs> yes. I love one of my favorite quotes, if not my favorite quote, is that the master has mastered the art of being a student forever. Mm. And when mm. we see mastery as a never ending journey, it reminds me of I don't I don't remember the discipline, but it was it was one of the martial arts. There was this teacher who was very famous, well known, multiple degree, black belt, like all that. And his request is when he passed away to be buried in his white belt. <laughs> And it's like this idea of I'm buried in my that. black belt. His, I believe, I could be wrong about this. I believe his um, belief system, you know, when he dies, wherever he's going in that afterlife, he wants to enter as a beginner. Mm, I love that. Wow. And it's like the master is always a student. And when I think about the difference in my mind between how the master views mastery and how a student views mastery, and this is not, I'm painting this with a broad brush, but this is in general. The mm. master, the student thinks that there's going to get to a point where he or she doesn't have to learn anymore. Like they've arrived, they've made it, it's done. I got it all. But the mm -hmm. master knows that doesn't exist. And the master knows I'm learning more every single day. I'm learning from my students. I'm learning all the time. And I've seen that to be the case in my own journey. And, you know, I've been a coach now for 18 years, which is crazy to think, but I've also, I coached for free for 13 years. 
Mm-hmm. And it was just for the love of it. It was developing the craft. It was learning as much as I could. It was just my obsession and it still is. Mm-hmm. And I jo- I jokingly share with people, but it's serious. I'd say it with like more laughter as a joke than, you know, if you saw my my desktop, I've got like five different certifications I'm working on all minimized. <laughs> I don't need any of them, but I want them. Like I want to know what's the nugget of gold I'm pulling from this, pulling from that, because mm-hmm. that's the reason why I'm going to be able to help someone two years from now who approaches me. You know, it's a never ending thing. And my passion is to do this until the day I'm no longer here. Mm. And it's like that never ending journey. And I think that your quote that you shared online, a lot of people think, oh, I'm certified. I got the, I've got the gold star. I got the thing on the wall. Like, you know, whatever it is, that means I'm done. That means like I'm a, I'm a professional now. And it's like, no, no, like it's that ongoing process. It's like with medicine, the practice mm-hmm. of medicine, it's ongoing. You're doing the continuing medical education credits every year to keep your license. You got to keep learning. There's new stuff all the time. That's, totally. that's that's the case with every profession. And I think if we all viewed what we did in that way, it starts to become a lot more fulfilling. Assuming you like what you're doing, you're interested in it, it creates just c- uh, continuous excitement, <laughs> expansion. Yeah, totally. You got to get the tools and then you got to put them to use. Yeah, man. And so another thing that I've heard you speak about, we'd love to share it here. What have you found to be some of the biggest misconceptions that people have about yoga? The biggest misconceptions. um, mm, Well, one is that it's just all about feeling good. (laughs) Like there's, there's a sense that it's about peace, love and happiness. And that's just simply not true. Yoga is a transformative process that will take an individual through basically whatever they need to go through energetically, emotionally, spiritually, physically, in order to get them into a new transformed state. That means that their actions are different, their behavior is different, their thoughts are different. If that is the goal. If a person wants to become a better human being and they they have an inspiration to grow and they want to be a better lover, partner, husband, wife, daughter, whatever, then there's a transformation that needs to take place. That's just, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Like there's a, there's a change that will happen from that person's current way of being into a new way of being. And so the misconception, I think that, uh, I've heard is that yoga is just like, yeah, you're just going to feel good. And like, you'll get all peaceful. And then you do Shavasana at the end and you drift off. And it's like, yeah, but if you actually find a, a, and apply a systematic practice, meaning it's a practice that you do repetitively, it's systematic, it's reliable, it's effective. It takes you through a series or sequence of things designed to produce a particular result if you are consistent with that, it is, it is the way that it is built is it will break down the psychic and the psychological tensions in the the mind body system that are manifesting as disease or physical ailment, but they're, they're deeper and they're, they're in the nervous system. They're in the subtle body. And as you apply yourself and, and really uh, wield these tools the way that they were, they were meant to be wielded, which is to remove the blockages in the system so that you could perceive divinity, so that you could perceive the, the greater reality of the self, like you as the cosmic being, like 
that's something cool to aspire to. I think to realize your oneness with life, like you're talking about the highest goal. So now we're circling back, but the misconception is that that's all about feeling good. It's like, man, if everyone walked around just trying to feel good all the time, no work would get done. Like no, no, there would be no practical result. Like it, you know, being creative and like producing things that are of value, of course that feels amazing, but there's also the challenging aspect of life. Like there's, there's death, there's pain, there's, there are diseases, you know, there are things that are trying to kill us. And, um, uh, I think a clear way to look at life is to embrace that whole spectrum and a, and a yogi, you know, someone who's really practicing the union of duality, the union of opposites is, is that becomes a clear conception of, of what yoga is or can do. Yeah, man. I love that answer. You know, I was this thought, like you said, if we're going to think about yoga union, one way to represent it visually, let's say we're thinking of, you know, a circle or like wholeness, how is it that, you know, going with the misconception, if, if yoga is all about feeling good and peace, love and happiness, if that's what you're trying to do that, well, you're rejecting a whole other side of the circle. And so you don't have yoga, you don't have union, you got this weird thing that you're making. <laughs> and then it reminds me of Carl Jung, he said, um, in order for a tree's branches to enter into heaven, its roots must go down into hell. You know, this fully integrated being. And there's another quote that he has that I'm, I'll just paraphrase it. I'm going to butcher it a little bit here. But the idea is something to the extent of one does not become enlightened by like, you know, imagining beings of the light. It's going into the darkness and like finding the light in there and like being in it both sides, like the yin and the yang. And I like to be, I like to share with people sometimes like that yin and the yang. If you visualize, you got the black side, you got the white side, the whites and the black, the blacks and the white. It appears like it's two sides, but it's one circle. (laughs) <laughs> and it's like when you can be with it in its totality and mm-hmm. like you said earlier with um it's all like an nlp neurolinguistic programming one of the things i'm trained in we say something similar to what you said there's no failure there's feedback you mm-hmm. you take an action you get a result and the result's not good or bad it just is what it is mm-hmm. in that same kind of way the light and the dark it's not good and bad and good and evil it's like it is what it is and they both have their qualities and can you be with them one of my mentors says that which you cannot be with won't let you be because you can't be fully you. <laughs> that one went. <laughs> I love that one. Wow. That which you cannot be with makes it so that you cannot be. It won't let you be because you can't won't be that fully you. You can't be. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> wow. Well, one of the principles. So there's a, in the yogic tradition, there are five, um, they're called kleshas which the kleshas represents, represent the blockages or the obstacles to success on the path. Mm-hmm. And um, two of them are at, uh, attachment and aversion. So one is, is your, what you prefer. And then, so that blocks you from experiencing oneness with life. And then that which you dislike, that also blocks you the oneness from life. And so, and like we're talking about the ultimate goal, the ultimate goal of yoga allows you to exist in a state of supreme unity with everything that is. Mm-hmm. And that, that is, is the bliss. That is the joy. That is the peace. And this is a peace that's beyond words. This is a joy and a bliss that's beyond it's, it's just the essence of, of what is the essence of life. And, um, and so that's, that's a promise for all of us. Like that's an attainable 
promise that that is um has been systemized by yoga it's not exclusive to yoga yoga is just a a science as you said um that has systemized this process yeah yeah something that you said that just really stood out to me that i think we've all experienced whether or not we were conscious of it is from like let's say our ego our ego's perspective is I know what's best for me and I know what's best for my life and my journey. And this is what's supposed to happen and mm -hmm. I'm supposed to in quotes. And that's our story. And we're so attached to it. And then life maybe had other things in store. And so that doesn't manifest the way that we thought it would. And as long as we're in resistance to it. So there's the external, which is what is. And then there's the internal, which is what is supposed to be or what should have been. But you're making that up. And so when we realize before we realize that we're in all this pain, we're in all this suffering, it's not supposed to be this way. Mm -hmm. But something that I've noticed in my own life, and I'm sure everyone listening at some level, you can relate to this, look back in your life. And first of all, think about all the things in your life right now, however plentiful, plentiful or, or however scarce, the things that you're really happy about, proud of, grateful for, fulfilled with, what a relationship, uh, something that you grew through and you learned, whatever it was. All of that expansion came from a, an initial contraction. Like it's that duality. It's that yin and the yang, the rise and the fall. Every expansion is preceded by a contraction, meaning there are things that you look back in your past and you say, that was the worst day of my life, or that was the worst mm -hmm. thing that ever happened to me. Mm -hmm. And in the moment, yeah, challenging, really hard. You know, in a way it's like, wish you never had to go through that. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I, I can only speak from my own, my own experience, but in my own experience, I look back at the worst things that I would label have ever happened to me. The greatest things in my life now emerged from that. And if that didn't happen, I would not have become who I am now, which was an iterative process that's ongoing. But it's like in that same way, we look back. I remember there was a woman that I spoke with years ago when I was um, still in medical school and she was one of the patients. And, you know, she had this really unfortunate situation where she was raped and mm -hmm you know, now this is like 20 years ago. And so she's got a daughter and her daughter is, you know, 10 years old, 20, 15 years old, however old her daughter was. And um, she's telling me this whole story about how her daughter is the greatest thing in her life, how she's so happy, how she's so enthusiastic and her daughter is her reason for living and why it's like all this, like the, like my greatest gift. And she's telling me that that came out of that challenge and hardship. That doesn't mean like she wanted the challenge and hardship to happen. It doesn't mean that was an okay thing, but she's at such peace with it now. And like that internal harmony of out of something so horrible and toxic came something so beautiful. And in mm -hmm. that same way, what could be possible if we, there's a quote by uh, Rumi, he's a Sufi poet, I think from like eight, 900 years ago. And he says, why do you remain in prison when the door is wide open? And like this perspective that, Many of us were prisoners to our past, but the thing is that the past isn't real. Not that what you experienced isn't real, that's very real, but the past only exists in your, in your memory and mm -hmm. the future only exists in your imagination. All that you can point to, like you, you'll, you'll say the past is weighing on me. I'm looking at your shoulders, I'm looking at your back, I don't see it, like where is it? Mm -hmm. it it's psychological, it's like this creation. I've trapped myself in this thinking that whatever happened shouldn't have happened. It's horrible that it happened. And because it happened, I can't be or do or have whatever it is I want right now. Mm -hmm. But again, that's something that with respect that we make up, we make it up and that traps us in that prison. But like Rumi says, the door is wide open. Once you're willing to 
come to terms with it. Like Grant says, you shine the light of yoga or whatever it is that is your vehicle to get there and you excavate and you you're in the darkness and you're in the light and you're dancing mm -hmm. between the two. And you're kind of on, you're like on that like line in between in the yin yang, like putting them together. Mm -hmm. And you just reach this place of what I might call harmony or peace, but it's mm -hmm. not like birthed out of positive thinking or birthed mm -hmm. out of uh, like ignoring what you might consider the bad. It's by bringing it all together and integrating and being so complete with it that mm -hmm. something that happened, it's not happening now. And you can just be with what is right now with as, you know, I think in this human experience, we're always going to be subjective and we can't really be objective, but we can be as objective as we can be and as close as we can to seeing reality as it is. This moment right now, everyone who's listening, regardless of your life circumstance, your financial situation, homes getting foreclosed on, relationships kind of falling apart, but you're listening to a podcast right now. And so in this moment, mm -hmm. you're okay. in this moment, you're okay. And it, can you just ground yourself in that? Close your eyes, take a few breaths. And when you get grounded in that, what's the best step I can take from here? What's that meaningful moment? Like I brought up earlier, what's, what's, what can I do? What would that highest version of me do right now? That doesn't mean the hardship's just gonna go away. But think about hardship. Hardship is a concept. It's not a reality. It's your relationship to reality. So you have an experience of hardship. Mm -hmm. and you, can, you, can, you have an experience of stress. You have an experience of panic. All the experience is real. But mm -hmm. what we say it's based on is the illusion. And if I say, I feel this way because the outside world looks like this, you're skipping a step. And there's, I, I often tell people there's three steps to the life creation process. Life happens. I interpret it. I experience my interpretation. If mm. I forget step two and I think life happens, I experience life, then you become victim to life and you become... Um, based on what my external circumstances are, I can't help but feel this way. And the thing is, that isn't how it works. And the simple proof is there are people in the world who are dealing with whatever you're dealing with differently. Mm -hmm. So it can't be the thing causing it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, I feel like I'm going on a rant right now, so I'm going to slow it down. But the, but, but the whole point being, you know, that yoga, that union, that oneness, I love that you said one of the biggest obstacles being we perceive it to be. It's all mm -hmm. peace, joy, and love. And we think that's good. And we think challenge, pain, hardship is bad. And because mm -hmm. we think it's bad, we try to avoid it. We try to hide from it. But you're never going to be, in a felt way, complete. You're never going to feel that level of peace and like full release mm -hmm. if you're always running away from something, if you're always hiding from something. You can't expand if you're not willing to contract first. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, you alluded to something about the obstacles. I don't know the word you used, um, but this idea that there are, I think you said five or six, but what are some of those primary obstacles that people experience on what they might call their spiritual journey, at least from a yoga perspective, if you could share those. Right. So <clears throat> these are coming from the Yoga Sutras, which is a 2000 year old text. Um, they're not really clear if it's exactly 2000 years or 1800 years. It's, it's, Anyways, this um, ancient yoga text, the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, uh, clearly outlines the nature of the mind losing its pristine, um, like with, if the mind is clear, as you said, in your life creation process, 
there's no interpretation and then experiencing. If the mind is clear, it's just perceiving what is. Mm-hmm. And, and so the, the tools that we think of as yoga, like the, like we're talking about mind, body, breath tools, posture, breathing exercises, meditation, these things are all designed to get the mind to be clear enough to perceive reality as it is, because then we can become an effective human being. We're not projecting the past. We're not projecting our story. We are taking effective action in the moment as again, what you were saying towards the future we want to create. And that is the, the, the process of becoming a creator. We're talking about being basically becoming God, becoming your own personal, whatever that means for you, but being the creator of your life versus the victim of it. So just knowing that with that in context, um, the yoga sutras kind of lays this map out. It's like the manual of human consciousness. Like this is how your mind works. This is how it's supposed to work, but this is how it often works when things are sketchy. Yeah. And so he says, Patanjali says, there are five kleshas was the word uh, obstacles to success on this path. Um, we'd already discussed two of them, liking and disliking, having a preference or having a aversion. But he says the very first klesha, the very first obstacle, every other obstacle emerges out of this one is what's called avidya. Avidya. A means not, the prefix a, and then vidya means, literally, vidya means seeing. And so the word vi is where the word vision comes from, seeing, Sanskrit, it's the mother tongue. So avidya, not seeing, it, it translates to ignorance but it, what it means is, is not seeing. And so the very first obstacle to our success on this path of life, if we are, if we are looking to uh, grow and become a fully realized human being, which I believe is the path for everybody. I don't think anybody is exempt. I think we all have an innate drive towards this destiny and it, and it causes us to behave in different ways. And we all have a unique path. That's not arguable. We all have different ways of getting there. But I feel like there is, is what we're talking about. Like that, that manifestation of your unique essence, right? Like the fullest, most brightest, expanded version of you. So that's motivating everybody. Unconsciously or consciously. The first block of that being manifested in the moment when we're, when we're, about to take an action in our life is we didn't see things clearly. We, we literally are behaving or we are taking our action out of imperfect data. And we're talking about results and data. Well, if the data is obfuscated or if it's manipulated by the mind, then are we react, are we responding to life or are we reacting to our own story? And if we are reacting to our own story, then our action isn't effective. Our action is producing a result that is predictable. It's predictable. How? It's predictable based on your patterns, your habits, your past, your imprints, your genetics, whatever, fill in the blank. However, you, me, all of us have a creative spark of divine intelligence within us that if we notice that the mind is creating a story, and we choose to maybe look a little differently or, or let go of the story entirely and imagine a higher possibility. If we can, what would my, 
what would my future self do in this moment? All of a sudden, we are now seeing things with a little bit of a clear lens and we can take a more effective action. Hmm. I know why we're friends, Grant. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking my language, <laughs> love you, man. Love you too. There's a, uh, a story that a mentor shared with me that's short. And it, it, it's funny and you just kind of lined it up so wonderfully. This idea of like the not seeing, right? The ignorance. The, you're getting the, the, the incomplete or the, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like altered data, right? Manipulated data. So you, because of that, you're kind of, um, the meaning you're giving to the situation and the conclusion you're drawing rather isn't you know accurate. And so the story that my mentor shared, there's a guy, he's outside kind of near a phone pole and he's got this chair and he's just moving around in circles and he's shaking it and he's yelling and people walk by and they go, and he's in the middle of like a city somewhere and people go, what are you doing? And he's just, and he's looking all like peering his eyes. I'm keeping out the lions. And they go, but there are no lions. He goes, I know it's working. <laughs> and so his conclusion is because there's no lions, what I'm doing must be working. But there are no lions despite what he's doing, not because of what he's doing. Wow. And, and you know, that's what we're all doing to some respect in our life. This is happening and I'm doing this and we're making the association causation and it's not how it works. <laughs> wow. That makes me think of the Daniel in the lion's den. This is a biblical story. And uh, for those who, who may not know this, or you might know this, um, it, the story is, is how Daniel gets thrown in the den of lions. Have you heard the story? Are you familiar? I'm not actually, please share. So I'll make it really short. He gets thrown in the, in the den of lions where he's like facing certain death, like he's condemned to death. And instead of facing all of the lions who are like hungry and moving towards him, ah, burying their teeth, like ready to eat him. He instead turns his back and he focuses on the one thing that can save him, which is the ray of light coming in the, 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 like where the, the entrance is. And so he, instead of face, instead of looking at the things that want to destroy him, he instead turns his attention towards the higher possibility. And in doing so, I don't, I can't remember how the entire, the rest of the story, but he ends up being saved in this process. And so it's like, yeah, we can, we can, it's very easy to look at all of the challenges we're facing. Everybody is contending to a, a, a monumental tidal wave of forces that want to destroy you, that want to turn you into worm food, uh, uh, not to mention like all of the emotional challenges and turmoils and, and driving to work and like getting groceries. Like there's just a, such a, a plethora of challenges that we face in our day. And it can be very easy to look at all of them and, and let them like weigh us down and then come into like these, 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 um, comfortable patterns and ways of being that make us feel good. And there is a possibility. There's a possibility that may be a calling to us and it, it can come in random ways. But as soon as we turn, start tuning our ear to the magic of life and we start tuning our ear to this, divine possibility i've used the word divine a few times in this 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 potential as soon as our ear starts to register that 
I think life starts to open up for us. It starts to give us possible. It starts to give, like you were saying before we hit record, like there starts to become proof to us of something beyond. And, and I think that's a really cool place to, um, to, to end up, you know, even, even if we don't believe in anything that I'm talking about or anything that has been shared on this podcast, there still is a possibility. And I think just, just allowing that possibility to percolate can be helpful. Yeah. When you talk about the proof idea, there's um, this kind of perspective I share with people when I'm working with them. I mentioned before we hit record, we had a nice conversation before that. <laughs> I yeah. mentioned this idea of, you know, forgiveness work that I do with people. And one of the things I share with people, everyone is doing the best they can given the thinking they had at the time that looks real to them. And when we can be with that and we can realize that in that sense, there's a psychological innocence that's available all the time. I often share, you know, this biblical quote that's attributed to Jesus, where he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Mm-hmm. And it's coming, my, my interpretation is coming from the space of here I am on this cross, like, or here I am about to get nailed and they're, they're going to kill me physically. But he's saying, Father, forgive them because from their perspective, they're doing the right thing. From their perspective, I'm this guy who's blaspheming against that which they believe is the most high. And if they yeah. don't kill me, it's like the, it's like a slap in the face to God. It's the most disrespectful thing. Like mm-hmm. they got to put an end to it. And so that doesn't justify the behavior. But when mm-hmm. you can come from a space of understanding and then you realize this applies to yourself as well. Everything that I'm doing, think about you did something that in, in hindsight you regret. What do you often say? What was I thinking? Because whatever you were thinking at the time and believing, you acted right. in accordance with that. Totally. That what you're thinking is never true. What you're thinking is always a perspective. <laughs> and so we can realize that when I know better, I do better. And that applies to everyone else as well. And so like you said, when I know at least the possibility mm-hmm. of what that, that divinity is, that higher self is, that North Star, that hero, that whatever we want to call it that we've alluded to over mm-hmm. and over again in different ways, When I know that's a possibility, I see that that's an option. When Mm -hmm. I don't know that's in my wheelhouse, when I don't think that's a path I can take, I'm not going to take it. But it's not because the path isn't there. It's because I'm not aware of it. And so I I love why people say, typically, um, you know, awareness is the first step. Because when you're actually aware of where you're at, in your example, this is great, like bringing a full circle in your story as a banker, you Mm -hmm. you use the word courage. But if I just substitute it out, having the awareness to even know I don't mm-hmm. like what I'm doing. Most mm-hmm. of us can have that awareness, but it might be unconscious. So it's not really aware. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, I don't like what I'm doing. This sucks, but it hasn't landed yet that I can do something about it. Mm-hmm. And when it does, now there's the option of, you know, I could actually give my two week notice or something. I could walk mm-hmm. away from this. I could do this. I could do that. And now you have all these possibilities and you can choose. But I know that you have a school, Keepers of the Earth. And I would love it if you can please share with us, what is that? You know, I'd imagine, uh, I'm not even going to assume, can you share what sparked <laughs> the desire to create the school and what's the school all about? Yeah, so Keepers of the Earth is a school of yoga and mystical arts dedicated to the preservation of natural law and sacred wisdom. Mm-hmm. And we do this through immersions and teacher trainings uh, based here in Costa Rica, but also will be expanding internationally 
to other locations, but it's primarily here where I'm, where I'm home-based um, that we offer these programs for people to uh, embody spiritual leadership and to really understand what does it mean to be a leader? What, you know, what is spirituality and, and how do we um, use this great tradition of yoga to understand what I'm calling natural law? And so what Keepers of the Earth was birthed oh, out of a years-long process um, that I went through and have been going through, you know, for, yeah, I would say that it started for me when I started to get the, the sense that I wanted to train teachers, um, which was more than a couple years ago. But it started to become clear and clear for me since moving to Costa Rica that I wanted to create immersive, uh, initiatory experiences that would take people through a transformative process so that it wasn't just getting a certification. It wasn't just getting a piece of paper. It was something where you entered and by the time you left and went home, you were a different person. Yeah, um, That was really important to me. That is really important to me. And, um, and so that's what keepers of the earth is. That's a little bit of the background behind it. Um, do you have any specific questions more? Or do you, you want no, me to, you, you mentioned it beautifully. And I, and I think that it, I love this perspective that you alluded to. It's like this idea of in order to become who I believe I'm being called to be, I must die as I am. I can't continue being the same version of me. And so I love that your intention for all of your students is you're not going to be the same you when you leave here. And, you know, from a physical perspective, we're changing all the time. You're never the same you. There's that old quote, uh, you can never step in the same river twice kind of thing. But in that same kind of idea from a mental, emotional identification perspective, that's so powerful because most people, I think, they believe their identity is static. This is just the way that I am. And so somebody who gets to be in your school and they show up one way and when they leave, they just, life is different. I see things I didn't see before. I see aspects of myself I didn't even know were there. That's transformative, man. I, I love that. And I, I can't wait to join. <laughs> uh, in, in the future, when I, when, I, when I take on my yoga certification, I will be coming. <laughs> yeah, it would be great to have you there, Jamil. Um, yeah. Yeah. And another thing I thought of just on the, on the topic as we're, discussing it you know i i briefly mentioned natural law and sacred wisdom those are also kind of like key areas of um they're kind of they're the pillars of this school and what i'm hoping to what i am instilling in these trainings is is the understanding of what that actually means and what it what does it even mean to preserve um a wisdom that's been alive for longer than than we know like like there's like uh we're talking about an, an intelligence that's in life that that is um, organizing everything that we see, and it's it's very much a part of our our being. It's it's what allowed the baby to know that when it was one cell and it was a zygote, this intelligence is what told one cell to go up towards the head and the other cell to go down towards the the butt. Like there, there's a there's a pattern and there's this guiding force whatever you want to call it. Um, I, I call it an intelligence and, and, and that's in us. That's creating our, that's, that's what's allowing our body to regenerate. It's what is allowing our body to fight off 
um, infection and protect us from invaders and pathogens. It's what is allowing us to grow and become who we are. And it's constantly happening. It's what's allowing flowers to bloom. It's, it's, it's responsible for creation as we know it, this intelligence. And um, again, whatever we want to call it, it's just like, it's an observable fact. You could say that, that, that there's something that's organizing this whole thing. And so what Keepers of the Earth is doing and what we're creating in our trainings is, is a remembrance of that and, a, and an awakening to that, that intelligence so that, um, so that we live less in our minds and less with our ego running the show, but we start to tune into, all right, what is, what is my being about? What does my heart say? You know, what, you know, what is my, how does my heart want to live? And, and what, if I could take an action and my action could positively impact everything in creation, what would that action be? And, and learning how to live from that place and be in alignment with, with that. And, um, and I, yeah, that's, I feel is our, our objective with this school training yoga teachers, but sharing this, this knowledge with people who are inspired to learn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that, man. And something beautiful that comes to mind for me is like we kind of mentioned earlier, this path of mastery and that when you become a teacher, you realize that like you got to also be a student. And like you said earlier, you said, I'm a teacher, but I'm first and foremost, yeah, I'm a student. I think that's exactly what you said, maybe if not around there. And this idea that every one of the, there's that perspective when the student is ready, the master appears. And in that same kind of way, here you are, you deep into your journey every day you have your practices. I remember being in Arizona when you still live there and you would make these posts every day and you were on your mat and you were doing it. And I was like, wow, this guy's, there's devotion, there's commitment. There's like every day you're doing it. And it was beautiful. And all that leads to this moment where you have this school where people come in, like you said, they're inspired, they're ready to learn this stuff mm-hmm. and you've spent your life learning it. And so you're ready to teach it and also to learn as well. And so that's just really, really great. And we're going to circle back on the school towards the end of today, but you know, the foundation of this podcast, the foundation of the work that I do is to help people create an extraordinary life without regret. And just to define the terms here, when I think about an extraordinary life, you might substitute that for meaningful. It's a life on your terms, the life that you would love. And Mm -hmm. without regret, my mindset there is if when you go to sleep at night, if you found out, you know, God, the angel intuition, something whispers to you, you're not waking up tomorrow. Could you fall asleep at peace knowing that up until this point, you've lived your life as much as you could. You lived authentically. The people that you love knew you loved them. Like the life that you lived, there might have been still stuff you wanted to do, mm-hmm. but you're really, you're really grateful. You're at peace. You're happy with it. That's what I mean when I say an extraordinary life without regret. So mm-hmm. because that's the foundation of the show, how would you advise anyone listening to create an extraordinary life without regret from the perspective of Grant? <laughs> I, you know, this is something I love to say, and it's just say joy is the answer. Yeah. And it's not like a, I'm not talking about like a giddy sort of happiness. Like I'm talking about like a, like we're here to be, um, as far as I can tell, to experience the, the joy of just being alive, just be, just being, being, and we get glimpses of that joy when we see something beautiful, like a, like a amazing sunset, or we hear like a bird do like something really, I heard a 
cool bird the other day. It was just like singing such a cool song. I never heard that bird before. And I was just like, wow, I was like in rapture for a moment, you know, I was just like, oh my goodness. And, uh, and just, yeah, my answer to that question is just how do we create in ourselves a causeless joy? Mm. It doesn't need, it doesn't need validation. It doesn't need an experience to, to beget it. It's causeless. And then you realize that is actually my essence. My essence is joy. Out of that springs forth a well, a well of beauty and grace and fun and meaningfulness. Like we're not, we're talking about being living a meaningful life, an extraordinary life. I love that. That's what the 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 tagline of the podcast. Yeah. So yeah, joy, joy is the answer. I love that. It reminds me of a perspective. The pursuit of happiness is the greatest obstacle to happiness. <laughs> and when we, because when you think you're pursuing it, you think it's not here. You think uh-huh. it's outside of you. And so, like you said, if we were to use happiness and joy synonymously, I've heard different definitions that they aren't, but let's say we were to take it for this conversation. Mm-hmm. If I, if I'm pursuing it, it's outside of me and I got to do something to get it. So there's a cause, but like you said, a causeless joy, I'm joyful. I'm happy. And I don't need a reason. Mm-hmm. I can choose it. But by, I see the world how I see the world and there's non-resistance and I can just be with it. Without that resistance, there's peace. And when you've got the peace, the bliss, the joy, and you find the wonder. Like I love, um, there's this perspective, you know, we, we've referenced all these different kind of religious teachings all, all throughout. It's like there's this, um, Jesus says, uh, you must become like a child to enter the kingdom of heaven. And one interpretation that I've been aware of is this idea that the child experiences like the magic and the beauty and the awe and the wonder. The child hears the bird and doesn't say, oh, I've heard birds before. The child goes, wow, like that's so beautiful. Or the child sees the flower or the butterfly. And it's not, I've seen those before. It's brand new. You know, you look at the floor, you're on the beach, there's seashells. They look at patterns on them. You're in rapture. Like you said, you're just completely in the moment. You lose yourself. You disappear. <laughs> the being is just what's there. And in that moment, you're in bliss. In that moment, you're in joy. And nothing really had to happen. And when we can be there, and again, it's one of those things that's simple, not easy. I often tell people whenever I'm on a podcast, they often, a lot of times they ask me some variation of, if you could go back and talk to your younger self, like what advice would you give? And I'll say, you know, be you. And But then I'll also say, it's interesting because on the one hand, that should be the easiest thing in the world to do. Nothing is required to just be yourself. <laughs> but we've got so many like layers of that onion built up on top of it about reasons why we can't or why we shouldn't or not supposed to or what, what we're going to lose, love or validation or whatever. If we do that, we make it so complicated. You know, mm-hmm. life can be really simple if we don't insist on making it harder than it is. And so, you know, if this and this is something that I'd thought about in my own life, and I'd love to ask you, you know, if this was your last opportunity to share your heart, your soul, your spirit, your experience, your wisdom with everyone listening, they're never going to hear you again. What would you leave them with? (sighs) Easy question. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'd probably just leave them with that laugh and just say, (laughs) yeah, that's, that's it. I would be it. I would just cheers. Yeah. Yeah. Be well.
<laughs> you know <laughs> like we're, yeah we made it yeah congrats you know like I was, can't wait to join y'all back and you know reunite yeah what, what you just said it reminds me of there's that you know i heard this years ago it's something like something like uh you know life this is someone's interpretation but it's like life is the toughest thing there is nobody gets out alive <laughs> and so if we're if we're willing to be sincere with our life but not take it seriously yes i can be the best parent the best husband the best version of me without being serious about it yes and like the seriousness isn't required you you can bring joy you can bring fun even if you need to be stern in the moment you can still bring that love through and yes. like you said like with that laugh it's almost like you know one of my many meanings that i make up when you when i see that you know you're laughing and it's like because it's do you man play have fun <laughs> be, be that real you and then well played and i'll see you on the other side <laughs> yeah totally that's all i i was like yeah that was what was authentic for me in that moment thank you for sharing it and so as we wrap up can you please share with us you know regarding the school and you know any opportunities people have who are interested in learning more in addition if there's anything you're working on now that you're excited about that you'd love to share with us we're all ears Beautiful. Yeah, well, I have a published book. You can get it on Amazon Kindle. It gives like a little in, short insight to um, the nature of breathwork and, and how breathwork is integrated into the yoga system. So you, you can find that by just searching Grant Iflander on Amazon. Um, there's a Kindle version. I think it's like $2.99 or something like that. So I always recommend that that's a good place to start if people want to just get like a cheap little easy entry point on to understanding like who I am and, and the sort of work I do. Um, there's also the opportunity to come and see me in Costa Rica where I have immersions happening. I have, as we mentioned a few times, I have a yoga teacher training certification program happening in January. Um, it's 21 days long. You can go to uh, the website keepersoftheearth.co where you'll find all the information about this teacher training happening in January. Um, it's a registered yoga school through Yoga Alliance. So people who come, they get, uh, they get the benefit of, of having this international organization uh, accredit them, you could say, and, and, and that way they can have entry into areas that need that. Um, and then I have an immersion happening in April, a week-long immersion. I call them immersions and not retreats because a retreat is – you know, we're not drinking Mai Tais on the beach and, and getting bendy. We're, <laughs> we're going backwards, you know. Yeah. We're, we are immersing ourselves. And so that's in April. But that all that information is on keepersoftheearth.co. And uh, yeah, that's the yoga school. And people are welcome to find me on Instagram or social media and, and reach out and and uh, I love when people are like, Hey, I found your stuff on YouTube. Like it, I'm changing my life. You know, I sometimes get messages like I've been doing that breathing technique. It's like really working. I'm like, awesome. Mm -hmm. so, so yeah, those are the places I recommend for people. Love that. And before, um, can you just share what are the Instagram and the Facebook handles so people can find you? Uh, Instagram at G Iflander, my last name. Perfect. And then Facebook is just my name, Grant Iflander. Wonderful. So I'm going to have the links to everything, the website for the teacher training, the book, the social media handles, everything will be in the 
in the show notes below. So it's clickable, easy to find. Two things I want to share a little endorsement. I have read that book and that you put yes. on great book and uh, definitely a wealth of knowledge. And there's some really cool techniques in there that I think will benefit everyone who reads it. So absolutely recommend people pick that up. And one thing I said earlier that I wasn't being, you know, like playful in the moment, even though that, that's the tone it comes out with. If I ever do decide like yoga is what I like, not yoga in the way that you're doing it, the way I want to learn it, I would not pick any other teacher but you. Like you are the real deal, man. And I love what you do. And I think that everyone who's listening who doesn't have the the blessing to have known you for eight years like I have, <laughs> you know, if you're thinking about yoga, if you're thinking about becoming a certified teacher, you know, learn from the best, then you got him right here. Wow, man. I'm I'm touched. Thank you. Yeah. And also know that this training, it's it's also for people who just want to deepen their practice. Like there's going to be people who are coming who just want to be, I always say that the the training is for making you a great practitioner. If that allows you to become a great teacher, that's awesome. But becoming a great practitioner is what's going to allow you to succeed in every area of your life. Teaching is just one little aspect. So then I will be there. (laughs) So I look forward to it. It won't be January, but I'll be in one of the classes. Sweet. And so as we wrap up here, first of all, I want to thank everyone for being here, for tuning in, your time, your attention. It's the greatest asset, greatest resource, and you're giving it to us right now. And I hope that our conversation was not only enjoyable, you know, I laughed more right now than I have in the last day. And so that was wonderful. And um, I really encourage you, please, if this resonated, share it far and wide, share it with anyone you know that you think would enjoy it, would benefit. Please leave a review, whether it's on I almost said Amazon, but (laughs) I am on Amazon podcast, but you know, whether it's Amazon podcast, whether it's YouTube, um, Apple, uh, Spotify, all all of the other ones I'm on there, please uh, leave a review. It really helps people look at the podcast and they'll say, Hey, I'll check it out. It looks good. goes Mm -hmm. a long way. And you never know who's going to tune in because of what you put in there, maybe that you wrote. And so Grant, is there anything that you'd like to share before we wrap up for today? Man, just keep on smiling. Smiling's free. It changes the chemistry in your body. It's a good way to to step into that causeless joy. I love that. I love that. We'll smile our way all the way to the bank, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Spiritual bank, you know? And the regular one, too. Exactly. (laughs) So, um, you know, I, I mentioned it a little while ago. You know, the purpose of this podcast, the purpose of my life's work is to help people create an extraordinary life without regret. If there's anything I can do to support you who are listening, if you've got challenges, difficulties right now, or goals and dreams around your business, your mindset, your relationships, happiness, health, spirituality, it's that full spectrum of the human experience. Let's dive deep in conversation. Let's see what we can create together. And let's make those dreams that you have real in 10 months rather than 10 years. I look forward to speaking with you. You can check out my website, jamilsayage.com to book a call. And on Instagram and Facebook, it's at Dr. Jamil Syaj, DR, and then my name. Facebook is and LinkedIn are just Jamil Syaj. There's about eight or 900 pieces of content that I put out since 2015, I believe, around when you and I met. Uh-huh. Videos, posts, quotes, things that similar to what Grant shared. I've been really fortunate and blessed that people have told me these one-minute videos, these quotes, these whatever, really turn their day around. They really help them out. Hopefully, they do the same for you. And obviously, you know, you're listening to the podcast. Please keep tuning in the last... 20 plus episodes have been phenomenal and we got plenty more to go. Thank you again so much. You know, most people's favorite day to change their life is tomorrow. That's why they stay stuck. But all of you can be different. All of you can decide right now 
given this conversation that Grant and I have had, given anything that stood out to you, if you have that feeling, that nudge, that tug of your spirit, of your heart, something's not right. I don't, this isn't, this isn't right for me. Are you willing to have the courage to step into that unknown? And I hope as a result of this conversation, you see that it'll be well worth it. Sending you all so much love and looking forward to the next time we get to connect. Take care. Be well. The victory. <laughs> the victory. Thank you for being with us today. If this conversation served you, it would mean a lot if you left a review and shared this with anyone who may benefit. An Extraordinary Life Without Regret is available to you now. Choose it. It's your time.